Hey guys, welcome back. Today we're going to debunk five myths about SSRIs and in doing so I think we will paint a more full picture of what depression is. No, no, no. There is a lot of misinformation. I know that's a key word now. There's a lot of misinformation out there about a lot of things. One of those being SSRIs. I do not receive a question about SSRIs or depression or how they work or anything like that, but Maybe it's a synchronistic kind of thing that's been going on for me right now is I've just been seeing it crop up a lot. People not saying complete falsehoods about SSRIs and depression, but not 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 truthful enough. And you know, that's when you really get into a lot of trouble. Look, if you just know nothing about SSRIs or depression, you start giving people advice, it's probably not gonna be that bad. I mean, it's not gonna be great, but it's not gonna be that bad. But the really insidious advice that people give out is when they know quite a bit about SSRIs and maybe depression but not enough that's when the, uh, the that's when the the takes and the advice start to get really bad so I, I think we'll talk about SSRIs how they work and I think this will also dovetail into maybe a more full a complete picture of, of what depression is and how emotions work in general because I think discussing SSRIs uh, will help us to do that. All right, so the first myth here is that they simply don't work, and we point to these studies that say, look, we've done you know huge random control trials. We give a, 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 one group of depressed people an SSRI, the other group some kind of placebo or something else, and it shows that the, that the uh, SSRI simply doesn't work, doesn't have better outcomes than a sugar pill. And the problem with these studies, and I have looked into, not all of them, but I've looked into a lot of them. And the problem with these studies is they do not tease apart confounding variables. There isn't just one kind of depression. There is the idiomatic usage of what we use for depression. And everybody gets this kind of depression, what we mean colloquially. You come upon some stress in your life and you don't feel good. Your, your, your girlfriend breaks up with you you get a huge bill in the mail and you feel bad and you start to get depressed you start to feel down a little bit that is not what major depression is and the problem is if you give people who just feel bad temporarily if you give those people an ssri it's not going to work and in fact it's probably going to make them feel worse in the long term because there's nothing chemically wrong with their brain how do we tell if somebody has a a chemical imbalance, that's the popular uh, phraseology for it, but that's not exactly right. How do you tell if somebody has a chemical issue in their brain? Well, we'll get to it. Uh, but just because you feel depressed doesn't mean you have depression or major depression. These are two different things. And these studies that say, hey, SSRIs don't work, they work as well as a, about no better than a placebo, they don't tease apart these two kinds of depression, which are really important. So actually, if you give somebody an SSRI who does have a major depression issue, um, it can work really well. You know, a lot of people, a lot of guys on the internet, a lot of guys with um, Marcus Aurelius, you know, avatars, <laughs> they get on, on Twitter and they say, look, I felt really bad. I had depression and I worked out and I took my magnesium and I did all these things, you know, I, I got rid of seed oils and I felt a lot better. But what they don't understand is they never really had depression, most likely. Uh, which is gonna be good advice for people out there who feel bad 
okay, that could be good advice, but if you, but if you have depression, it's just going to mess you up even more because now you're trying to, to manage something in a way that that you, there, there's no solution and you're going to do your whatever 10,000 steps a day and you're not going to feel any better and now you're going to really start to get a depressive issue because you're going to think that you're going to start to think that the problem is more about you and who you are and not just something some issue you have going on with you at that moment um, so I think it's really important to tease these things apart uh, the second myth about uh, SSRI is that uh, SSRIs is that you can increase serotonin in other ways. So yeah, going on the walks, you know, working out. And by the way, I think these things are all great things to do, but that doesn't mean that they're a cure-all for depression. Just because they made somebody with a Twitter account feel better doesn't mean they're going to make everybody feel better. Um, so yeah, you can increase serotonin in other ways. So I mean, let's just look at what SSRIs are. I don't know if I said this, but it stands for Selective Serotonin Uptake Re-Inhibitor. And what it means is, what the name is, is it inhibits reuptake of serotonin in your neurons so that there's more in your brain. You know, what, what serotonin is a neurotransmitter, and, and it's just a way for different neurons in your brain to communicate. So um, how do SSRIs work exactly? Is it just more serotonin in your brain? No. It is not more serotonin in your brain. If that was it, then you would take an SSRI and instantly feel better. In fact, if you give a, a depressed person SSRI, they will feel better, I think maybe like a half hour, an hour later. So they will get an instant effect, but the real effects of SSRIs do not kick in for maybe four, six, maybe even eight weeks, which indicates that it's not just the serotonin in your brain. Yeah, you can drink a lot of kefir, and eat a lot of raw liver, which are two things that I love doing, drinking kefir and eating raw liver. I love those things. Uh, and yes, serotonin is um, produced in your gut and that will lead to more serotonin production in your gut. But what percentage of that serotonin even gets to your brain? <laughs> right? we, we have no idea. And is it the kind of serotonin or is the kind of influx of serotonin that we need to make the long-term changes in your brain, which SSRIs do. So it's not just about the amount of serotonin in your brain that's part of it, but what this causes is an increase in serotonin receptors in your brain. And if you have serotonin levels elevated high enough, which you're, you know, even if, even if drinking kefir and eating raw liver um, did affect your brain in a positive way is it going to do it long enough and hard enough uh strong strongly enough for you to change the receptors change actually how your neurons work in your brain there is no evidence for that now maybe it could probably not though um and in fact i i think you know the, the jury's still out and, and i'm gonna insert my own opinion here on how i really think ssris work the jury's still out um, it probably has to do with the increase in receptors of serotonin, your serotonin receptors in your brain. You know, it's the same thing with testosterone. People, guys think, oh, I'll just get, uh, take TRT and uh, testosterone replacement therapy. I'll get a higher testosterone and, and you know, I'm going to be stronger, you know, faster, whatever, bigger. And that's not necessarily the case. It's not about the amount of testosterone in your body that is a good indication of muscle mass strength. And generally, it will increase muscle mass and strength. But also, you find guys with like a 400 testosterone level, anagrams per deciliter, which is, 
I don't think it's terribly low, but it's definitely not high, who are you know, high-performance athletes. Um, and well, what's going on? Well, they have a certain amount of androgen receptors, right? So it's not just total testosterone. It's not just serotonin in your brain. It's do you have the right amount of serotonin receptors? I think this has something to do not with the amount of serotonin receptor, not with the amount of serotonin. It's definitely not that, not the amount of receptors. But I think it has probably something to do with the change of serotonin in your brain. Um, you can't just have high levels of serotonin all the time. You can't have low levels of serotonin all the time. What you need is a constant flux. And if you are depressed and simply not producing enough serotonin to change the serotonin receptors in your brain, then you're going to have the low levels of serotonin, but not the high. Even after you succeed in something, even after you attain high status, even after you, you do your 10,000 steps a day and take your magnesium, you're, you're going to feel even worse. You know, guys who are depressed and they're not making any money, what happens is they go, well, I'm, I'm depressed because I'm not making any money. And what they do is they go out and make a lot of money and they're still depressed and then they feel even worse about it because, wow, I did the thing that I thought I needed to do. And it's not just money, anything. You don't get a wife, family. There's all these memes online that say like a family that imply, that definitely indicate that a family, get a wife and children, that will cure your depression. That is dangerous. That is super I mean, guys, I mean, that is what, what essentially what you're doing is you're putting an emotional burden on your family and, and guys will do that all the time. But then you suggest maybe take uh, SSR and maybe try it out. And they think it's some kind of chemical lobotomy. So that's what I think is going on with, with uh, SSRIs is they change around the uh, amount of serotonin in your brain. Yes, but it also allows for greater serotonin receptors. So when you do have natural fluctuations in serotonin, you're able to, in a sense, it's a more efficient use of serotonin in your brain. That's what I think SSRIs eventually um, lead you to do. And then, yeah, uh, more efficient use of serotonin in your brain. You get what I'm saying. Myth three is that SSRIs are some kind of chemical lobotomy. This is not true. Uh, there are drugs out there that are a chemical lobotomy. They're called antipsychotics, Thorazine being the parent one or being the first one, and one of the first ones developed in the 50s. By the way, the only reason we got we got rid of a lobotomy, by the way, the guy who invented lobotomy won Nobel Prize for Medicine or, or something like that. Um, not an unpopular, you know, not a procedure that we look down upon. I know we all saw one flew over the cuckoo's nest and we're like, oh, this is terrible. But the only reason we got rid of that lobotomy is because we developed these drugs that work on completely different pathways. They affect dopamine, not serotonin, and, and they work in a different way too. And yeah, dopamine is a way more sensitive neurotransmitter pathway to affect in your brain than serotonin. <laughs> you know, it's funny, like, yeah. Yeah, guys will uh, go out and get a wife and children and think that's going to cure their depression. Ultimately, what they're doing is just they're dumping their, their problems. They're not managing their emotions. And what they will inevitably do is dump their problems onto their wife and family. Um, and like, like, oh, you have a wife and family, so you're more, so you're less likely to kill yourself? Well, I guess that is true. But is it because you have the wife and the family? That is what you would think if you don't understand how emotions work and what leads to having a happy wife, happy family, happy children, ultimately. Um, 
So yeah, there are chemical lobotomies out there. They're called antipsychotics. There's a bunch of different kinds. There's, there's different families of them. And that is a chemical lobotomy. Uh, but a, serot a SSRI is not that at all. Um, you can take an SSRI, you know, that's the thing. Well, how do I tell if I have a, a chemical imbalance? All you gotta do is try it. If you have these symptoms of depression, if you're doing all these things, if you're taking your magnesium and, and going on your walks in the sunshine and, and, and lifting weights in the sunshine and lifting weights and you're not feeling any better, in fact, you're feeling worse, well, you know, something you could try out is a, an SSRI. And if you feel better, great. If it works, then great. If it doesn't work, if you just get numbed out or you have a, a, yeah, you don't experience pain so much, but also you can't experience pleasure. Well, that's an indication that it wasn't a serotonin problem. And what you do then is you simply stop taking it. There's no long-term negative effects in your brain, unlike antipsychotic, you know, you take something like Thorazine or something in that family and you gotta take, you need blood tests. You need blood tests to see it's not damaging anything. So if you, if, uh, you have to take a psychiatric medication that makes you take blood tests, okay. And I do think that um, I do think it's going to do that sometimes if your life is on the line. And I do think those are overprescribed. Um, and I think SSRIs are overprescribed too. But that doesn't mean there's anything wrong with SSRIs. It doesn't mean it's a chemical lobotomy. It doesn't mean oh you can just drink kefir and uh, eat raw liver and it's going to be the same thing. Um, so yeah. Are SSRIs a chemical lobotomy? No, that is a complete, it's not just an exaggeration, but you know what you're talking about if you're calling an SSRI some kind of lobotomy. And we have a new kind of lobotomy too. It's called a cingulotomy. There's something in your brain called the cingulum, the anterior cingulum. I think there's different portions of the cingulum. And what you do is you go into the brain and you create a lesion in a sense in the cingulum. And what the cingulum is, is it's it's in this like strange connection between the limbic system and the prefrontal cortex. And you go and you create a lesion here, it doesn't work as well. And you know, like a lobotomy, you don't feel it's good all the time, but also you don't feel bad. And you would only do that in extreme cases. I mean, to say that an SSRI is a lobotomy just indicates you have no, no idea what it, you're talking about. And you're creating way more stress and just emotional issues around taking cer certain psychiatric medication than really there needs to be. And it's something that could potentially help um, one of your followers on Twitter. Okay, so the fourth myth is that SSRIs are a crutch. And to this, I say, yeah, of course they're a crutch. But so what? I guess there's nothing wrong with this myth. They are a crutch, but the, the myth is about the connotation behind it being a crutch. Like, oh, because it's a crutch, then it's wrong. If you break your leg, you can hobble around and you'll probably get better, but it's probably good. You know, it's probably just going to be better if you, if you use a crutch for a specific uh a period of time until your leg heals, until your brain heals. That is what depression is a lot of the times, is, is it is a, it's not, you know, there is definitely a genetic component to depression. It's probably about 50%. That doesn't mean depression is inevitable. That simply means you're probably more sensitive to certain kinds of stressful events, not all kinds of stressful events, but certain kinds of stressful events and what happens is you stop producing as much serotonin. This happens long enough. Your brain becomes acclimated. You don't have the, the re receptors. And do you ultimately need an SSRI? 
I don't know, maybe not. <laughs> but do you ultimately need a crutch? Maybe not, you can probably just ho hobble around. I mean, if you think you need to do that to make yourself feel better about who you are, fine. But, you know, you have a term paper due next week and nobody has a problem about taking their buddy's Adderall to do that, which is going to be, which is way more of a crutch and hypothetically way more damaging to your brain because it acts on way more sensitive pathways than an SSRI does. It's all about using an SSRI in a proper context. Yes, SSRIs are definitely overprescribed. Thank you, you pointed that out. That doesn't mean that SSRIs are completely useless or some kind of a serious a chemical lobotomy. And yes, people go on SSRIs for way too long, but if you just need some help because your brain isn't working in the way that it's really supposed to work, like your leg isn't working in the way that it's supposed to work, yeah, you use a crutch. That's what happens. Are you going to solve the problem eventually? Maybe, but we're all on a time, you know, we're on the timeline here. You are going to die soon. So let's, let's use whatever you can. It's just completely ridiculous. Like, yeah, it's a crutch. I mean, crutches are useful. Now, if you're using a crutch the rest of your life, that's probably an issue. And what you do is you take an SSRI until I think it's a very good idea to talk with your therapist, talk with your psychologist and say, okay, I'm going to take this SSRI until I have A, B, and C figured out in my life. Or I have these patterns. Um, it's not necessarily a specific goal, like, oh, I have a girlfriend, I'm making this amount of money. It's not that necessarily, it, but it's just, I'm doing these things with my life. I'm waking up at this time. I'm going to bed at this time. And then we're going to work on tapering off the SSRI. And then you don't need it anymore. Yeah, I think that's, and, and not enough people do that. And then we criticize how it's used and we think, and then we conflate that with criticism of SSRI. In general, we start calling them chemical lobotomies and it, it's just insane. A lot of misinformation out there. And then the fifth myth about SSRIs. Well, this isn't about SSRIs so much. About depression in general. And that myth is depression is some kind of excuse. It is some kind of excuse for bad behavior. Even in subtle ways, it is some kind of um, excuse to be a burden on your family, to be a burden on other people to make your, your family members uh, day or week or month hell, it is not an excuse. And this is the problem. So, you know, that we have uh, two cultures battling here, right? We have the red pill culture, and then we have um, woke culture, I guess we could say. Uh, red pill culture, that's responsible for myth one through four. Woke culture, they're responsible for myth five. And they don't explicitly say that depression is an excuse, but they definitely treat it that way. And they excuse bad behavior by saying, oh, well, that guy's depressed. That is not an excuse for bad behavior. Um, depression is something if you have, just like a broken leg or anything else, you got to acknowledge it. You need to recognize it for what it is and manage it in a healthy way. That's what you would do if you had a job and you broke your leg and you couldn't go into your job and you still had to support your family. Is that an excuse? No. A reason, but it's not an excuse. You got to figure out other ways to make money. Why didn't you get your workman's comp figured out beforehand? Right? All these things. It's not an excuse. It's a reason. 
And I think a lot of what happens on people who think that, oh, in the depression is real side of this argument, they, they treat it as an excuse. And then the people on the other side of the argument go, well, it's definitely not an excuse. There are no excuses. Don't you see my Marcus Aurelius Twitter uh, avatar? So they flip to the other side and they say depression isn't real, SSRIs don't work, they're just chemical lobotomies, it's a crutch, you're weak, and they just start you know, perpetuating all these myths because they can point out how the other side is wrong by when they say that depression is some kind of excuse. Um, and of course, this is how we get self-deception, this is how we get any kind of ideological uh, tribalism, religious tribalism, and this is why I need to come in and make these videos about SSRIs and how they can be helpful. It is not a cure-all. It is part of a bigger solution. And of course, your chemistry is probably about 50% of your depression, but also how you manage your emotions. Um, that's the other 50% generally. And that's what we can help you with here. You know, you can take all the, the great medications in the world and it's not going to help unless you, especially in the case of depression, do what we talk about here. Right? It's, it's, it's about managing anger. Yeah, your brain needs to manage serotonin in a more efficient way. Um, but you need to start managing your anger specifically in a more efficient way. How to express it, how to identify it, how to regulate it, how to acclimate your body to the anger so you can use it in a more efficient way. That's what we can help you with here at Animus. We do free consultations. AnimusEmpire.com slash schedule. Thank you guys for these. Well, wait, you didn't ask me a question. I got this question from myself, but ask me more questions. Animus at AnimusEmpire.com. I will leave it there. And remember, um, there's a lot of misinformation about uh, depression out there and, psycholo and psychology in general, I guess. Uh, but I think a lot of the, of the misinformation clears up once we can look at um, your emotions and how they ultimately work.